This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav in full effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. <laughs> terrible. Tangents all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find him. You can find him. So check one two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced even. But I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. I'm suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen. Online and ready. I am Groot. I am Groot. That I did know. I am Groot. Kiss your mother with that mouth. You've gone mental. We are Groot. That's better. (laughs) <laughs> okay, enough playing around. Uh, welcome to another episode. Issue. We have issues Issue. Here. We have issues here. Oh, do we have issues? Uh, another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. Uh, the other voices you have heard are part of the Intrepid Trio. That'd be Eric. We're not the voices in your head. Or, that's are, me. We, or are we? Uh, no, the uh, voices in my head scream German. If you're listening to us through earbuds... We're in your head. No, we're in your ears. And you haven't cleaned them out lately. Mm-mm, you have not. Two words for you, dude. Q-tip. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is the Intrepid Trio. Kylan, Eric, and myself. Mike, how are you guys doing? Uh, yeah. I'm feeling some sauce. 
some sauce. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I'm ready to get this weekend over with. What about you? I go back. Or get this week over with to get to the weekend. That, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that sounds my, better. My weekend's ending. Well, I work Saturday this week, so, you know. My weekend's uh, ending. Oh, man. that's I hate that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, hey, check out the homepage. Uh, hit our affiliates up. Get some great stuff through them. Also, too, hit our partners. Found me, which I was... I've been going to the hospital because that's where my physical therapy is. And even though it's not Marvel, they had a flash found me in the gift shop. What? There you go. In the hospital gift shop, they had a flash found me Bluetooth tracker. Nice. They're popping up everywhere. Um, But click that link or click the other one for heroes and villains. But they just released a great looking. I, I, I will say it is great looking. Batman versus Joker setup, and some of the the bat logos have the Joker lips and teeth in the bats. Well, okay, it it looks great. Um, the backpack looks really nice, and apparently you could overlay. It's got the Batman logo, but you can overlay the Joker bat on top of it to change it up. Which is pretty cool. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, hat, lanyard. Um, I think a couple T-shirts. The backpack. It's pretty cool. Uh, nice looking stuff. Heroes and villains. Um, I can't wait to see what they do next with Marvel. Uh, because the Hellfire stuff looks great. But um, what would be a good next thing with with Marvel from them? Since I say Hulk versus Wolverine. Ah, that that would. Yeah, be- I could see that. I could see that. Let's do something different. I mean, yeah, there's Deadpool, but I liked how they went Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a whole aim aim line, maybe. Or or Maybe. sword or sword. Yeah, since we've seen sword in uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. Or, but I, uh, but I, th- I no. think I think since they're doing Joker Wolverine or Joker Batman, I say Wolverine Hulk it was a classic battle. That was a classic storyline. Yeah, yeah. It, I will say this: as as much as that was a pretty good, uh, that was a good storyline. There was an issue of Wolverine his solo when he got his solo title, mm-hmm. and it was running for a while. There was one issue where the Grey Hulk showed up in Madripoor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You remember that one? Yep. Yeah. And for those of you, you know, following along at home, I basically it was everybody was waiting for the the knockdown drag out battle between the two. But the thing is, Wolverine was not acting as Wolverine. He was acting as Patch. Mm-hmm. And he would he would mess with Hulk. Right. Like, you know, Hulk had all these expensive suits that he brought with him. And uh, Wolverine snuck into his hotel room, uh, stole all his suits and just filled his you know drawers with ripped purple pants. (laughs) Well, I think the other thing you could do, too, if you're going to go with the X-Men is make it more based around the school of the gifted, where it's Mm -hmm. almost the, you know, gear for the academy. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the backpacks could look like school related backpacks or you could have the battle pack that's geared more to what something Wolverine would design. You had, and you could do Wolverine down the edge or something. Just ideas. I like it. Yeah. I mean, they. I love their products. I just got another backpack from them. I got the TIE Fighter Pilot backpack. One, because it's more water resistant for me to use for work. So I don't have to worry about stuff getting soaked going back and forth to my car when it rains. 
but I still love my indoor backpack as well, which is what I took with me to Galaxy's Edge. And I discovered this is a great backpack for travel, for the parks, for conventions. That will be perfect for all that. Right. So now I have one backpack dedicated just for work and one backpack for other aspects of my life. And the best part with both of these companies, use the code FIELDAGENTS for 15% off your purchase, your first purchase. Took the $80 backpack, 15% off, made it like 64, 68 bucks. That's 15% off. True. That's a great deal. Um, also to check out our web store uh, where we got some great logo merch, which we're still trying to figure out how to make the word balloon work on the hat. I know Eric's toying around with an idea. I have an idea I'm thinking about working on as well to make it work. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that up shortly. But um, other than that, recorded Wookiee Radio last night. We had Jeffrey Brown, uh, author of uh, the Jedi Academy books and Vader Vader and, and Son and Vader's Little Princess and Vader and Pals and Good Night, Good Night Vader and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Night Vader. Yeah, yeah. And the the after we got done recording, about an hour and a half, news broke and I had to get on Wookie Radio's Twitter and, and actually brought I actually did my first live broadcast on Twitter on Wookie Radio. Oh, well, I'll be dull. So I have discovered I'm going to have to share the show account with you guys. So if y'all hear something, y'all can get on and do a quick blurb yourself for Marvel. But the news that broke... Kevin Feige is going to be developing a Star Wars movie for Disney or Lucasfilm, however you want to look at it. I prefer to think of it as Lucasfilm because That's Lucasfilm will be doing it. Yep. Disney is the parent company. Yep. So just that alone, why am I bringing it up here? Well, Feige. Well, why is, are you bringing it up? Well, Marvel Studio. he is the head of Marvel Studios, which is a separate company from Marvel Entertainment. Right. Uh, two, why wouldn't he be a good fit? Because, well, Marvel, if you look at, if you were to put Marvel Studios back with Marvel Entertainment and just group the two as Marvel, Marvel's got this license for the Star Wars comics again. So if there was a chance for him to potentially do like a Dr. Aphra story or do the Vader Aphra storylines for a movie, he would be a great person to do that. You know, I'd almost like to see Afra after the Vader. Okay, I got some bad news. Uh-oh. You weren't recording a bit of that, were you? No, I, I'm recording. This, this was something we talked about uh, I th- either on um, Weeby Geeks or Wookiee Radio. Or, yeah, or Wookiee Radio. Star Wars ends at 75. Yeah. Afra is ending on issue 35. And then they're doing a one a one shot that's going to wrap the two series. And speculation is Afra dies. I call shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I, I I hope it's not true. But they're they're putting out this uh, one shot in December that's supposed to wrap both books endings. Okay. No. Unless she fakes her death. Think about this. She is diversity. Yeah. She's a woman. She's Asian. She's a strong woman who's Asian. Right. I no. I don't see her, them killing her off. Now, storyline wise, maybe, maybe like she's getting, she's going to get arrested and she's thrown in prison. Right. Maybe. Um, frozen in carbonite. Maybe. But if she dies, it better be by Vader's hand. The way it always should be it should not be someone else killing her i can't see them killing her I, maybe I, i'm just being 
maybe I'm just being too cynical and looking at it through through a a corporate lens. But why would you kill somebody who has been a fan favorite? A fan favorite number one, of course. You know, Joss Whedon. Uh, you know, hashtag I am a leaf on the wind. Watch how I because wash. You know. Rest in peace, Wash. But the thing is, Afra is, again, diversity. My thought was she's one of those carbonite slabs that we see in Mandalorian. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. That would be a very good way to introduce her. Oh, dude, I am so loving that. So if she. Yes, you can sit there. You can sit there and smugly nod. (laughs) If she is frozen before the events of Empire, and then that means she essentially survives through Return of the Jedi, because Mandalorian Uh takes place shortly after. Yeah. That reduces her aging, because she won't age in Carbonite. Nope. Okay. Which means you could bring in a slightly younger actress to still play her in the Mandalorian. Okay, I'm going to throw this in. I'm going to throw this in. That also helps explain why Vader was so keen to freeze Han. Yeah. And you know how Lando was kind of like, you know, what, you know, we, we, you can't put him in there. You'll kill him or, or stuff like that. And, and Vader's just kind of like, we're going to do this. Yeah. It's because he, it's, it's, it's almost like he's, he's not saying it, but he says, it's okay. I've done this before. The other, the other thing would be too. Maybe she does age some during during the carbonite freezing. Pull her out. And it's Ming-Na Wen. And it's Ming-Na Wen. Dude, how did I know you were going there? <laughs> and the first word she says as she's thawed out, it's like, man, I had this wild dream. I was a secret agent on a distant planet, the distant past. And it's like, my name was May or June or something like that. <laughs> I'm just going to say, that's a mic drop. Don't need to flush it. <laughs> so, but with Feige, um, we all know he is a major Star Wars fan. He's talked about it before. How yeah. you know, he always played with Star Wars stuff as a kid. Um, apparently, he came up with an idea for a story when meeting with uh, Alan Horn, who's Disney Studios chief and uh, Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy earlier this year. And uh, I guess they were willing to talk. So now um, it's coming to fruition. According to Horn, uh, we're excited about the projects Kathy and and the Lucasfilm team are working on, not only in terms of Star Wars, but also Indiana Jones and reaching into other parts of the company, including Children of the Blood, Bone with Emma Watts and Fox. Uh, with the close of the Skywalker saga, Kathy is pursuing a new era of Star Wars storytelling. And knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. Huh. You know, I can see where they would want to do that because Marvel has essentially been printing money. Yeah. And this is not fair of me to say, but of course the... The, the fan base has been divided for Star Wars, but honestly, it's been divided for decades now. Right. I mean, and I've said this jokingly, but I mean this in all seriousness. A lot of the criticisms and insults and, and, and petitions and stuff like that 
that are being leveled against Disney right now are saying much the same things as fanboys back in the late 90s, early 2000s were saying to Lucas himself. Right. It was like, oh, well, you've invalidated the the expanded universe. Oh, oh, you've ruined Star Wars. You've ruined my childhood, George Lucas. As we say over on Wookiee Radio, even Lucas said the expanded universe is not canon. So all those people who, oh, we want our original canon. It was never canon to begin with. No, it wasn't. So I, I am. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, now here's the fear. Everyone's questioning. Could Kevin Feige leave Marvel Studios for Lucasfilm? And what does that do to phase four? Honestly, I don't see this happening. I mean, there's no plans for Kennedy to leave Lucasfilm. Unless she's the one who's going to be named Iger's replacement when he steps down in 2021. Okay. <sighs> Which would be at the end of phase four. I like the idea of Feige taking over Lucasfilm mm -hmm. because I think he would do a very good job with it. Because I don't think anybody can argue, or would if they could, that Feige has done a good job at Marvel Studios. Right. I'm not sure what the reaction would be if Kathleen Kennedy became head of Disney. Again, we've been talking diversity. I, I know. I, look. But I am not, I am not questioning the woman's credentials. But even even if she doesn't get named CEO but gets a higher board position, who's to say Feige couldn't head up Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm? Uh, I would say uh, that. And ha and then name Dave Filoni as the one mm. vice president mm -hmm. of Lucasfilm and reports to Feige direct. But Feige still oversees both studios. I no, I would not want that. No, uh, you don't want. All right. Feige has done well again with Marvel Studios. I think if he does one studio is best. Mm -hmm. Now, Dave Filoni is head of Lucasfilm. Heck yeah, I could see that. Kathleen Kennedy is head of Disney. I am. I'm worried not about whether or not she could do the job. I've got full confidence in her. I think she could run it very well. I think the the issue is going to come from the Disney faithful who says Star Wars isn't Disney. I don't want Star Wars taking over my Disney. But Marvel's not because not we're Disney hearing, either. No. And well, okay, the they are same. they're owned by Disney. I mean, this is something that you, that you and I we keep seeing in all these Facebook groups and message boards. People will say, I'm tired of Marvel. I'm tired of Star Wars. They're messing up my Disney. I won't go back to my Disney. You can have that Disney. Well, they're talking about more Star Wars and more Marvel in the parks. Ah. Yeah. And also more attention being paid to the the Star Wars and the Marvel franchises than to the traditional Disney fare, I guess we'll say. I mean, some of these people, they want fairy princesses and singing warthogs. Well, and that's and that's the mentality that I see being the biggest obstacle to Kathleen Kennedy becoming Disney CEO. You think it will be more of that and less of uh, less Star Wars, less Marvel? I think there will be a contingent, or there would be a contingent, rather, 
that would push back on that because they would claim that Disney, the Disney company is abandoning its roots, abandoning its heritage, uh, and just milking their cash cow for all it's worth. Or they could be expanding their base to make it more inclusive to bring in a, a very lucrative outside of revenue stream that they've been developing for the last 10, 15 years. I promise you, I'm not arguing that, and I would welcome that. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, I'm not, I am not counting myself in that contingent. Right. Right. Well, I mean, okay, you're, and I'm, I'm speaking as somebody that I, I liked Disney. Um, I wouldn't say I was a Disney nut per se. Um, like I, I, I really enjoyed like I, I enjoyed Darkwing, I enjoyed Tailspin, I enjoyed Ducktales, that sort of thing. But I wasn't what you would call like a hardcore Disney fan. But since Disney has brought in Star Wars and Disney's brought in Marvel, uh, there's there are aspects of Disney that I and, and the fact that they actually in some ways within the parks include those aspects within the Disney universe. It, it, it's, it's brought me in. So like I like I got super excited uh, when I went to Disney and got a picture with Jedi Mickey, you know. Yeah, I, I was jazzed about that, uh, you know, whereas otherwise, I mean, I would have had a good time because the parks are awesome. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, it, I, I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much had I not had that experience. Right. I got you. I, I mean, the thing is, it, it's just it's bad business to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It just is. Actually, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. Uh, Case in point, Blockbuster. Blockbuster wasn't willing to do anything new or different. Blockbuster wasn't willing to expand. And where is it now? One store in Alaska. See? If Disney, and I I personally, I believe, and I'm not saying, I, I don't believe no business is too big to fail. But I feel like that Disney being willing to go outside of what it was always, what it was known for, what it was always doing, and to include Marvel, and to include Star Wars, and to include Lucasfilm, period, within that, that is ensuring that they plan on being around for a long time. Yeah, and I... I was fully down with both acquisitions. Oh yeah, because because one thing when I would go into the Disney store, we used to have one here local, and I would go in to start off. There were things for adults, right? But it became less of a you know of an all ages store and more for kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you weren't into like Winnie the Pooh plush, uh, it was pretty much all girl stuff. True. They, they did try on occasion to market some of their male characters for boys. Mm-hmm. Like they did have some action figures for a while with like, you know, Hercules and Peter Pan and Tarzan and, 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 and the so forth. But 
Disney really doesn't have it didn't have a lot to offer for like teenage boys and older. Right. No, I mean that's why you had XD, but yeah. XD just shows, you know. Yeah. Um, so you you heard Pirates multiple. of the Caribbean. Yeah. So you have these, you know, the you have this purchase of Marvel, and that just brings that is basically bringing in all this content that you can market mm-hmm. to to males and teenagers, and also girls and women as well, because there are a lot of strong female characters in Marvel. Oh yeah. So I, I completely uh, you know approve of them purchasing Marvel and of Lucasfilm. And you know, it, if you think about it, it's just happen. It's it's happenstance that if you look at the strong because Marvel has pre. I mean, Marvel has strong women in spades. Okay, uh, Star Wars strong female characters in spades, especially especially you know even if okay even at the very beginning in their pre Disney years, Ma Mothma was a very strong character. Leia always has been a strong character. Um, I, oh, and well, you know what? Aunt Beru didn't take any crap from from Owen. Okay, I was <laughs> I, I, I want to give some respect to Aunt Beru. Yeah. Oh, you saw those troops too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those characters all fit in. Those characters didn't need to be tweaked to fit in with Mar. Would fit in with Disney. They didn't have to at all. Those characters came in ready made for what Disney was all about, you know? Yeah. Um and I I don't know. I think I think that I for I, I, I had somebody the other day belly aching in some group about um what do they call Disney? They call Disney a bad cover band, you know. He and th- this person was salty because, well, it was in, re- in and it was in response to a story about Disney uh, developing a or Star Wars developing a um, Mar Jade series. And so this guy, the, the, this uh, fanboy, starts you no know, losing his mar- his marbles all because you know. I miss my EU and, you know, and I said, well, you know, the, you know, I didn't identify myself as being, you know, part of this podcast or being in the know for certain things regarding. But there is Star no R.J. series. That's what this did. So, yeah, those in some group there was talking about there was going to be that they were looking at start, developing a R.J. series. Ah. It, they were in talks to develop it before Disney bought it and. And now that's not going to happen, so it's Big Bad Disney's fault. I don't even uh, think that was going to happen. Well, I mean, uh, I, 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 my thing was, well, I said, look. It's, it's them wishful thinking. Well, and that's what, you know, uh, it. there were aspects of the EU I liked. Yeah, but you know what? There's aspects that they know how to take those certain aspects that you like of the EU incorporate it into what we have of the Star Wars universe now and to a certain degree make it better. Yeah. I mean black okay, Black Squadron to me Black Squadron kind of gives me the whole feel of of the whole Wraith Rogue Squadron thing. You don't get a lot of it, but I like what I get, you know? Yeah, uh yeah. Yeah. You know, Black Squadron definitely has a lot of Wraith Squadron feel to it. Yep. Just modernize. I mean, look what they did with Thrawn. They yeah. did bring him into the new canon. Yeah. And let's let's revisit our 
conversation with Jason Aaron back, you know, a few years back when right after he started uh, work on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we asked him straight up. It's like, you know, in light of the uh, the announcement from Lucasfilm that all material going forward would go in a different direction. And it specifically said creators will be able to pull from the expanded universe to create material going forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And we asked him straight up, how free are you to pull from that? You know, is there anything you cannot pull? He said, it has to be approved by the story group. Mm-hmm. And the story group is there to review and basically do what Lucas refused to do the whole freaking time he had the franchise. Moderate continuity. Yep. Yes. Because exactly. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I am a huge Lucas fan. I think we we would have had a much darker world today without him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't give a rip about the expanded universe. Mm-mm. And so, th- basically, you ha- it, that apathy allowed so many writers to put out crap. Let's just call it what it was. There was so much crap put out. Yep. I mean, we had great stuff like Rogue Squadron and Heir to the Empire, but we also had just a lot of stuff that's infinitely forgettable. And so they had to create this multi-tier levels of canon. Right. So it's kind of like, well, this happened, but uh, something else happened in the higher tier, and so this really didn't happen. And so it was a hot, tangled mess. And Lucasfilm really just – they did the only thing they could have done because Lucas had already said flat out, I'm not making any more Star Wars movies because the fan base is too mean. Mm-hmm. So when Disney picks up Lucasfilm and says – all right, we want y'all to start making Star Wars movies again. Well, that brings up the question, what are you going to do? Do you do Heir to the Empire? Do you do the Yuuzhan Vong? Do you do the uh, the Darth Cadus thing? Because, and no matter what you did, there would be a contingent of the fan base that says you didn't do it right. Yeah, well, always. But even, even with him, he wasn't even doing a full, he was, you know, even Lucas's treatments did not have anything to do with any of the older books. It was still, it was all brand new stories. Yeah, but, you know, I forgot. I, I've totally even lost track of where I'm going with this. But I guess it, Disney gets a rep for, for running this stuff into the ground. And, you know, there is an argument that maybe they have put out too many Star Wars movies since the acquisition. That that could be a fair criticism. Yeah, but uh, I I'll, think that may, but I'll counter with. Look at Marvel. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's weird how we have gone down this rabbit hole. We've taught <laughs> Disney and Star Wars on a Marvel podcast for, for how long? <laughs> how much of this issue? But, but you know, it involves the Marvel Studios head, yeah. Kevin Feige. So it brings up the next question. Could Feige help bring the Russo brothers to the Star Wars franchise? Dude, I would love to see a oh, Russo their Star Wars movie. So... If that's the case, what direction would you want them to go? Because I, I still think Benioff and Weiss with Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, Old Republic time period. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Johnson, uh, who cares where he goes? He, he's got a trilogy. Where Where would you? 
I would put him. I would put those two between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Okay. But here's the thing: you, I, I don't want to see a single Force user in this bunch. Oh, I love that. You don't see a single Jedi. You don't see a single Sith. You don't see one of these various gray Jedi. I'm a Force user, but I'm so edgy. Look at me. I'm not part of the Jedi Order. But I, but I don't want to be a bad guy either. So, it, no, you don't have any force users. No, you have smugglers. Yes, mercs. Yes, and you see, you, you see it based on regular people. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I loved about uh, Rogue One, one of the things I loved about Rogue One was not a Skywalker in the house anywhere. And the truth is, I would have I would have been okay with no force users either. Well, wait, hold on. There you, were no force users. There were two, technically. You have Vader, Vader. at the very end. Okay, Vader, I forgot. And, the, that and there and there and then there was well three. There's the um they they alluded to Jen's mom was a force user potentially uh, yeah, yeah. making her one as well. Okay. Okay. I almost say. What about Benioff and Weiss doing a whole, doing at least a movie about maybe the Imperial Academy? Mm. Or Imperial Academy, but at some point in time, they jump ship and join the Resistance. Oh, okay. Thus bringing in like Biggs and... Exactly. Because that's exactly what... That's exactly what Biggs told Luke in the deleted scene there at the the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I didn't even know that scene existed. I don't... I don't... I I remember reading that in the Marvel adaptation. I saw it for the first time when I bought the CD-ROM Star Wars Behind the Magic. And the other cool feature with that was there was a stormtrooper in this room, and you got to test the different weapons on him. And when you tossed huh. a, and when you tossed a thermal detonator, he started scrambling around the room like, "Get me out of here!" <laughs> Which was great. So, um, yeah, I I personally w- would not mind seeing the Russo brothers hop over and do at least a. Star Wars movie. Yeah, I so, would not mind that. There, I, I I would love that actually. Now I'm going to start off with this headline, and I want to see what you guys have to think about it. It's crap. Oh, sorry, I got to wait. Disney CEO Bob Iger had to overrule Marvel execs to get Black Panther and Captain Marvel made. Discuss why? What they didn't think it was, so? What did they not think it was possible for? Black Panther and Captain Marvel to do well? I mean, I can't imagine anybody pushing back on Black Panther. Well, especially considering the fact that after Civil War, I mean, Civil War, he played a, a an integral role. Yes. Well, if you remember before Marvel Studios separated from Marvel Entertainment, this is how far back this goes. It was Marvel Entertainment that was putting up roadblocks to stop Black Panther and Captain Marvel from getting made. Remember, there was that creative committee that they had. Uh, but but why? I mean, why would you throw up blocks on that? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, I could think of very cynical reasons, but I really find those reasons hard to believe that it would go that high up. Yeah. Uh, Okay, 
There's a, I, I, I get I get where Eric is is thinking. Is it for okay for people out there listening? Uh, are do you think that when I just I'm just gonna say it? Do you think that it was because they weren't confident that a female led movie or a minority led movie would do well? Well, the, the person who was I, 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 I'm just putting it out there. I'm, I'm, I, you know, you guys, you know me. You know I don't. Well, the person, the the, yeah. the main person who was at the head of this roadblock was yeah. Ike Perlmutter. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. All right. So. But he's not, he's a business guy. He's not a comic guy. He's not a movie guy. Yeah, but he, he became CEO of Marvel Comics in 2005 and remained right. CEO after Disney acquired the company in 2009. He, he only stepped, stepped down when, um, or he he stopped overseeing Marvel Studios to allow Feige to report directly to Alan Horn after Feige fought because this is when they had that whole stupid committee thing. Um, the reason why there was a separation uh, was Feige's frustration over Perlmutter over issues like the one that was described by Iger. Uh. Uh, Iger's quote is, I've been in the business long enough to have heard every old argument in the book. And I've learned that old arguments are just that old and a step and out of step with where the world is and where it should be. And part of the thought with like Captain Marvel is you're not going to get you, you can't have a strong female led movie. Uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, but that came well, that came before Captain Marvel. Was, but but the talks were going before Captain Wonder Marvel Woman. was supposed to be out before Wonder Woman, but Perlmutter kept blocking it. I mean, Black Panther, same way. He's too low on the chain to, to be a successful movie. Well, look at Iron Man. Yeah, see, thing people don't realize or people forget that for the non-comic reading public, and both you guys would agree with this, Iron Man was a who to people. Like when people when people thought about comics, number one, they really wouldn't. Their gen, the general public isn't really able to. Well, prior to the MCU, they weren't able to diver, differentiate between Marvel and DC. Right. And even at that point, you, the, the at least the big three for the general public when it came to Marvel was Captain America, Hulk, Spider-Man. That was it. Um when 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 you mentioned Iron Man, a lot I mean, that was a gamble at that point like you're going to start you're going to start off your movie franchise with a a character that most of the general public wouldn't are were barely familiar with at best, barely. Right. Well, they didn't really have much of a choice. No, they didn't. Because after you know when Marvel hit rock bottom and had to sell off all the movie rights to their friends, they had to go with selling the ones that were the most popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody would have bought Iron Man. Nope. nope. Nobody did buy our Iron Man. No. And I was a fan of Iron Man, but I'm I'm a comic reader. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying though is. Unless you were a comic fan, you likely wouldn't know. And so all the franchises that that Marvel Studios had to work with were basically the leftovers. Right. Thor, Iron Man. It's hard to comprehend that because looking back over the last 10 years, 
I mean, Ant-Man. Yeah. Looking back over the past decade, it is hard to wrap your head around the concept that the most popular Marvel characters right now were virtually nobodies back when all this started. Yeah. Yeah. And, you you know, and I mean, I'm trying to think, like, Black Widow was 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 wasn't on anybody's radar at that point. No, War Machine sure as heck wasn't on anybody's radar at that point. Um, yeah, nobody would have heard the words "I am Groot" and understood anything about it. No, so have happened. I, I guess it's it's hard for 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 me looking back on the pushback as being anywhere near legitimate. So. It, I can't think of a justifiable reason for it Mm -mm. unless he was thinking just pure. Well, you know, these two characters aren't aren't popular enough to to carry a movie for the casual fans. Yeah, that's a possibility, too. I mean, and and if you put it through that lens, I don't know that I could possibly that I could blame him at the time. Right. But. I mean, as we as we see success after success with Thor and Iron Man and Captain America, mm-hmm. then you start thinking, well, you know, maybe they could pull it off. Well, I mean, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure that after the success that they experienced with Guardians of the Galaxy, if you if you were still doubting what Marvel was capable of. Then you 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 got some serious thinking that you need to do. Look at this point, I think Marvel could put out a movie about Four Bushman, and you'll get half a billion. Oh, easily. But I mean, now in all fairness, now I'm going to just ask you guys a straight up question: Do you believe that Black Panther and Captain Marvel could have been a success if they had started up the MCU with them? If they're mm, no. so, if their movies had come earlier in the in the filmology, no, and, and here's why. All right, number one, you were doing something completely different already. Number one, you're you're making a superhero, you're bringing a superhero movie to a general audience, and you need to, uh, and this is with the intent of this building on a franchise. So you need to give them something that's at least somewhat accessible. So you give them a a flawed character uh, who he he's he has money and he has brains. So that's his superpower. So with money and brains, he ha- he makes an armored suit, which it's a super. Uh, so we're still talking superhero, but it's high tech slash sci-fi, which mm. makes it more accessible than a, uh, a king from a hidden African country with next-gen, well, three generations past or three generations in the future from now technology. And his powers are somewhat tied to mysticism. You basically have a Dungeons and Dragons country in Wakanda. You do. You have magic and you have tech. You do. So it it just couldn't. People needed a base. Yeah. They needed a base before you could serve that to them. Yeah. Walk before you ran. Exactly. Whereas now, you know, no, we uh, we got gun toting squirrels. No big deal. We got no sorcerers, no big deal. Uh, we 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 have a uh, human we have androids. 
Yeah. We have androids. So it's it, – we, we had to – they, they – had they tried to uh, if they, had they attempted to start this universe with Captain Marvel, nobody would have been willing to buy into it. If somebody was willing, if they were trying to start this with Black Panther, nobody would have bought into it. And I'm I'm not even necessarily saying because of the minority issue or the female issue or the diversity issue, whatever you want to call it. That 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 may be an issue, but I'm setting that aside. I'm just looking at what what you're jumping into with Black Panther, what you're jumping into with Captain Marvel. We weren't well, ready. We weren't ready for that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you had. It, it, and looking back, this this is the brilliance of the MCU because Phase One was all about establishing ground rules, and I do mean ground in every sense of the word. Because you had your know, Captain America, who's who was technically first. Who he is a he's a guy. He was an everyman. He was a weakling, and he basically got turned into an Olympian athlete to fight the good fight. It, and and set against the backdrop of World War II, we had that. It, it made it more it, easier to suspend disbelief. Right. But I mean, that was chronologically first. But the first movie. I think without the first movie being totally grounded, mm-hmm. like you said, you you have a guy who's he's he's not super powered, but he's smart and he's rich, and so he uses that. I mean, you don't building a robot suit. It, it's tried and true. It's mm-hmm. something we could. It's easy for us to grasp. Right. You don't have to really suspend your disbelief very further, very far around. No. It's kind of like, oh, we only have to suspend it for just a little bit because you can think it's like, well, he's making a suit of armor to power this or to, to do this. And then here comes the Thor movie, which, all right, yes, he's a god, but he's not really a god. And they kind of tone that down a little bit. They just say, yo, hey, we're aliens who've been around for a long time, and you just think we're gods. And so you get to suspend your disbelief a little further. Yeah. But because of Iron Man, you've it's, it's kind of like you've you've gone one step up the staircase. With Thor, you take another step. With Captain America, you take another one. And by the time you get to, you know, Thor the Dark World or – Okay, baby, maybe bad example. But by the time you get to <laughs> Iron Man 2, it's easier to – it comes easier and easier to accept that, yes, this could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And by the time you get to Avengers, I mean, you get pretty much whammo-blammo, but because of the steps that you took one step at a time, you can go to Project Pegasus collapsing or – you know, alien invaders coming in through a hole in the fabric of reality. You, you've you been acclimated to the Marvel Universe a step at a time. It's kind of like taking a step into a, into a pool. You stick your toe in, then you stick your foot in, you stick your leg in, you stick your, your other leg in, so on and so forth. And you shake it all about. You know, I was addicted to the hokey pokey once, but I, I turned myself around. <laughs> Dude, you, you put that low and over the plate. I'm swinging for the cheap seats. But you get where I'm saying because once you get to that, well, this is the MCU. We become accustomed to this. You can go further out, and you can get your machine-toting raccoon and talking tree, and you can get your king of a high-tech hidden African country. You can get your cosmic-powered Air Force pilot 
patrolling the spaceways and you're shape-shifting aliens. Mm-hmm. And so, so if if you want to frame Perlmutter's you know, you know, roadblocking within that lens, I can kind of see it to start with. But once the MCU has gotten momentum, once things are rolling and you and you see how things are getting done, you say like, well, you know, maybe they, you know, they can pull this off. There's no reason to block that. Right. No. Well, you know, there's no reason to block this either. Here are the picks of the week. <laughs> did we actually cover any new stories this week? Yeah. <laughs> Everything we just did. Okay. I I, I, I got two-ish, three. Okay. okay. This is a great discussion night. Okay. We haven't had one of those in a while. We're just we're just riffing. We're news? Just... <laughs> Heck, who needs news? I mean, if you want to go news, okay. Ghost Rider supposedly has been canceled. I'm speaking yeah, rhetorically. That. Uh, yeah. That's so, okay, because we're, get, we're getting a Damien Hellstrom out of that. Which everyone's saying Hulu is very happy about, yeah. the way it looks. Uh, yeah. So, Eric, why don't you start us off? You got, cause you I got was afraid you were going to say that, because I don't have the... <laughs> Let me pull this thing up. All right, is that it? Uh, no, that's not it. Here we go. All right, my first pick of the week is Bizarre Adventures number one by Jed McKay, Francesco Mana, and Carlos Pacheo. Prepare for the bizarre. Well, I guess you should, because bizarre is in the title. To celebrate Marvel's 80th, we are resurrecting some of its wildest creations, bizarre adventures. Within these pages, you will see Shang-Chi take on a martial arts master. Ulysses Bloodstone battle a monster of the dark arts. Dracula meet his match and the Marvel debut of Akewood's Chris Onstad. These adventures will be thrilling, exciting, and most definitely bizarre. Ooh. Kylan, your first pick. My first pick is Swordmaster, number four, uh, brought to us by Greg, Greg Pack and uh, Ario and Nidito. Uh, Mysteries Unlocked. Lin Lai delves 5,000 years into the past to uncover the legendary origins of his magic sword and finally discovers his connection to the mysterious huntress, Ji Shuang Shuang. Okay, well, my first pick of the week should be no surprise. Star Wars number 37, Dr. Aphra. I said that all backwards. Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 37. Um, a, a Rogue's End Part 1, a brand new arc starts here. After all she's been through, professional disaster zone. Dr. Aphra is right back where she started, working for Darth Vader. What villainous use has the Dark Lord found for her to make him spare the life of his most annoying foe? And how long does she have to try and slither out of harm's way before he decides to finish what he started years ago? Isn't this like a momentous issue? Momentous issue, rather? I was about to say momentous occasion. I think so. Yeah, with this being uh, one of three, um, or part one, I think there's only three three issues left. I think 40 is the final issue. Okay. So we're on finale countdown with her. Yep, just like we are with the Star Wars title. Wow. So, Eric, back over to you. Wait, we did do Kylan, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. My brain just took a vacation. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) My second pick of the week is Savage Avengers number six by Jerry Duggan, Mike Diodata Jr., and David Finch. 
Conan and the Punisher attempt to walk out of the Savage Land, hauling the caskets of Frank's family through Antarctica. Frank Castle was never that much of a religious man, but now he's firmly crom curious. Watch out for the last page. It's a doozy. Okay. Kylan, your second pick. My second pick is Ghost Rider, number one, brought to us by Ed Brisson and Aaron Cooter. All hells break loose. The brothers Ghost Rider are back. Johnny Blaze just ain't the king of hell. He's the warden, too. He's the first line of defense between the demonic hordes trying to escape the joint and the lords of other hells making a play for his throne and all the power that comes with it, including a certain evil queen from his past. Meanwhile, Danny Ketch never wanted to be a Ghost Rider. Now that his brother's in charge downstairs, Ketch must take on the duty of Earth Spirit of Vengeance full-time, no matter how much he'd rather be doing anything else. Superstar creative team Ed Brisson of Extermination and Aaron Cooter of Guardians of the Galaxy redefined the Marvel Universe's supernatural underbelly for a brutal new era. Plus, the first installment of the Caretaker Chronicles. Get everything you thought you knew. Okay. Well, my second pick of the week is Spider-Verse number one. Miles Morales finally feels like like he gets this Spider-Man stuff and then falls through a portal. This isn't the web of life and destiny, but isn't the web of life and destiny destroyed? Maybe not. Maybe not, true believer, but who spun this new web? Regardless, Miles finds himself at the center of a multiversal adventure that will feature a who's who of creators and characters as the series spins forward. Each issue features spider sonas from the biggest Spider-Man fans and comic creators both. So, Eric, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is Doctor Strange number 20 by Mark Wade and Jesus Saiz. An event so epic shakes Doctor Strange to the core and makes him completely reevaluate his life and role. This event is so huge that this makes this the last issue of Doctor Strange. A rated T event so epic. Oh, wait a minute. They just repeated that. So, hey, last issue of Doctor Strange. Very cool. Wow. So, Kylan, I hate that because I was liking this run. Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick is Daredevil number 12, brought to us by Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto, and Julian Tatino Tedesco. After reuniting in explosive fashion with Daredevil number 11, Chip Zdarsky and Mark Cicchetto continue their sense-shattering run on Daredevil. As Matt Murdock continues to struggle settling into a life without his horned alter ego, a fake daredevil is captured by dirty cops. Plus, the ongoing saga of Mayor Wilson Fisk takes a brutal, bloody turn in a sequence that'll have DD readers talking for months. Okay. Months, I tell. Well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars number 72. The time for answers is upon us, and destinies will change. As Chewie grapples with the terrible moral choice, Lord Vader reveals his plan for the rock people of K-43. As Luke questions where he's placed his trust, Warba reveals her origins and her true relationship to the Force. And as Leia and Dar spin around the dance floor, Han uncovers the real villains of Lon's Carpa. So... 
Eric, how about your MU pick? My MU pick for uh, this week is actually it's 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 a BOGO deal because earlier in the show this was not the one that I actually st- we we started the show with is uh, <laughs> we started discussing so that I said you know what I'm going to change my pick so <laughs> yeah I'll get I'll get to the other one eventually I'm sure. But uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, the Hulk and Wolverine and a uh, a story arc in the Wolverine solo title where the Grey Hulk comes to Madripoor. (laughs) Well, and and basically, you know, Wolverine is not acting as Wolverine. He's acting as the character called Patch. And uh, he decides he's not going to fight Hulk, but he is going to mess with him a little bit. So this is actually two issues. It is Wolverine Volume 2, starting in 1988. Wolverine Volume 2, number 7 and 8. And that is the Grey Hulk's adventure in Madripoor. Okay. Nice. I'm going to have to go back and read this one now. Oh, it's it's great. It I is think- great. I mean, I, I, I actually I looked and I was pleasantly surprised to see that it looks like they have the entire Wolverine series in Marvel Unlimited. And the Wolverine series was all right at the time. It was very well received, but I think even with the reception that it had at the time, it was underrated. Yeah, yeah. because it was not. Uh, it had more of a film noir feel to it. Yes, it did. It, it was not your typical bright yellow spandex four color thing. It was. It was. It was more gritty. It was more grounded. It was more real. It was right. right. I mean, even, even when he had to do work, as it were. I mean, it was just a black suit. You know, yeah. that did. It wasn't. You know, it was like a scuba diver suit. Yeah. But he was not. He wasn't trying to be a superhero. He was basically just being an agent who just happened to have powers. Right. Right. And there's a there's another issue or another story arc where the bad guy is Bale, like the like a reincarnation or the original from the Old Testament Bale. Oh, crap. Okay. The, the story arc was called The Gehenna Stone Affair, and Jessica Drew Spider-Woman was in it as well. And it, it really just had some really surprisingly good writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it had more of an action movie, like a, a a pulp fiction, not not the Tarantino pulp fiction, but like the right. old '30s adventure pulp fiction feel to it. Right. I love that stuff. I I do. Like the thing was, I didn't come into that until later. But even and, and I wasn't reading Wolverine since that point. But what I read. It kind of spoke to something in me at that point. Like there was something that was waking up. You know, I I hailed that. Yeah, this this title went on for quite a while. I think I've got I think I've got issue 50. And I remember that being a particularly interesting issue because it had like a uh, a second cover on it. Oh, and the the cover it wasn't an alternative cover. I mean, it was a cover that was attached to the book, but it had claw marks cut out of it. <laughs> so it's almost like you know Wolverine just like you know just popped the claws and just took a chunk out of the cover. Right. And I just remember said that was my first cover enhancement experience. So that's just something that sticks out to me. But yes, over I recommend just about any title in this series. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 
As a matter of fact, I'll just recommend the whole series. <laughs> Make sure you read number seven and eight. Got it. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? Mm, no. Nope. I'm thought it out. Then on that note, Thursday, if you would. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. prepared a safety briefing for you to entirely ignore.